0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald, and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Environmental sustainability has become this buzzy term across industries, within boardrooms and around dinner tables, and thankfully so. I mean, it goes without saying that we're truly at a critical juncture from a planetary perspective. We're well past the point of conjecture on the matter. What is required is flat out radical change and rethinking of past practices that are not serving the needs of the planet. Does this mean things could get a bit uncomfortable in shifting towards new paradigms of action? Sure, I mean this is often the case when it comes to instituting new modes of operation. Although, as you'll soon find out, this doesn't necessarily need to be the case. Certain industries are in the midst of radical positive changes that are in fact effectively serving the needs of the environment, as well as that of companies and workers. And perhaps most importantly, these case studies illustrate how focused missions, strong leadership, and the collaboration can forge sustainably-minded pathways which are in line with what we as humanity require for our own future existence. On the show today is someone who leads on sustainability by way of her reach, action, and execution within the world of film and television production. Her laser focus on green initiatives and knack for instituting change on scale makes her not only a worthy individual to derive inspiration from, but also someone many of us can be learning from too. All right. Welcome to the show. So Clara George is a Vancouver-based Emmy Award-winning television producer and the founder of Clarity Films. However, in her own words, Clara would consider herself a climate action producer with a singular professional mission, which is as follows. Producing a green production without compromise. Now, after a successful 25 years as a television line producer, which included highlights, including numerous awards and nominations from the likes of the Emmys, Producers Guild of America Awards, Critics' Choice Awards, and many others for her works on productions, including Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, The Andromeda Strain, and Flight 93, amongst many others, Clara decided to concentrate on producing the sustainable production movement. Since devoting herself to the cause, Clara has morphed into a formidable powerhouse of positive change and action. A sampling of her many efforts and achievements include work with Vancouver City to pass motion to eliminate diesel generators for film production, to facilitating the development of the Clean Energy Committee at Real Green, to organizing productions using only 100% recycled paper, saving 85,000 trees per year since 2018. And further, her productions have achieved, and get this, the reduction of fuel consumption by 20% per season, the reduction of paper consumption by 75%, and the reduction of waste by 20%. And not to be outdone, Clara both chairs and serves on numerous motion, film, industry, and environmentally minded committees. All of this has amounted to even more deserved award and recognition, such as the Real Green Ambassador title by Creative BC as well as the honor of being named a Sustainable Champion at the Vancouver International Film Festival Sustainable Production Forum. Of course, recognition of one's work is pleasing, but make no mistake, that is not what drives Clara. She's an individual intently focused on so much more, namely the singular notion that the time is now to disrupt traditional production practices, move green agendas forward, and to produce true climate action. So with all that stated, Clara, it's an absolute honor to welcome you to the program. Hi there.
1: Hi, thanks so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this talk. I mean, your resume of accomplishment and all that you've done, you know, pretty much speaks for itself. So I'm really eager to uh, to hear what you have to say today on all of these things. Yeah, thanks for taking some time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, maybe we can jump right into things here. Uh, I have a first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners would know, this is a segment where I just typically read off a definition of the guest profession as defined by Wikipedia. And we just kind of use it as a launching pad to explore the work that you do. Sometimes the definition's on and sometimes it's off. But I do have to tell you right off the top here, Wikipedia is going to let us down or is letting us down, unfortunately. I could not find a definition based on your work. I mean it's it's a burgeoning field so it kind of makes sense. And I did go here with a sustainability advisor. Now I do understand that, you know, much of your work has been in within uh, as a television producer, but with the focus of today's talk being on sustainability, I went with that uh, definition. I did find something from the job site indeed, however, that I think we can work with. So, I was thinking maybe i could just read that off for you and as you're listening maybe just within the context of all you've done you can just kind of consider it and uh, i'll ask you a few follow-up questions after that does it sound good yeah great all right perfect well here we go sustainability consultant a sustainability consultant is a qualified professional with expert knowledge of sustainable practices such consultants work with clients in various sectors and governments they advise on issues related to sustainability Such as waste management, recycling, and the effects of climate change. Sustainability consultants also use awareness and expertise in environmental policy, sustainability techniques, and their knowledge of health and safety to offer solutions to complex challenges. All right, there it is. First take, what do you think of that?
1: Well, I don't think it's too far off. My first knee jerk reaction is why are we talking about garbage? Because I really concentrate on fuel reduction Mm. and fossil fuel reduction but then i started kind of thinking about it as waste and and what we are doing is pointing out the waste yeah you know, you don't need to be doing this i do think that the one the one crucial part is that it it kind of implies that you're an expert on sustainability and i was an expert on film production right and then learned about sustainability as i went along and i think that that's super helpful because when i'm speaking to productions or i'm speaking to other producers or crew members they know i understand their workflow i understand their industry i know how this works yeah as opposed to coming in from you know a physics based engineering point of view of fuel reduction which is or waste or whatever which is great but that's not going to that's not going to work when the director decides he wants to shoot on top of a mountain with a helicopter so you need to understand any sustainability consultant and or advisor, which by the way, I think is the job of the century, really. I think you have to start with expertise of what you're trying to green. I'm not going in trying to green aerospace. I have no idea what that how it all would work. Yeah. You know, yeah right. I, I I definitely stayed in my lane. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that's why I've had so much kind of I don't want to say success because we've gone so far, but we've started <laughs> we have so far Still to so go far go, yeah. But there's so much starting. And I think that that the kind of the ongoing movement, the conversation is in real time. Like it's it's changing every minute and being able to immediately look at something and go, oh, will that work for film or not? Or can we try it? Or or this will work for some films or not the others, because every film is totally different as well. Like every project you're dealing you know, if you're if you're working on a period film you don't really have to worry about what your picture cars are cuz they're horses right you know if you if you're working in outer space you don't really have to you know you, you've got everything is totally different so it's really what can you apply to do what you know best or or you know be as be as sustainable as possible for that hour for that minute for that project
0: yeah, I really like that point. I mean, I think that's something, as you said, I mean, this position, this role of an advisor or consultant relating to sustainability is, is the job, is the job moving forward, I think. And like, you're seeing a lot of interest in it, you know, even just chatter online I've, when I was researching for this, you know, there's a lot of people that are interested in it. And I think there's a lot of burgeoning programs that are kind of developing, you know, out of universities or other programs elsewhere. But the point that you raise of actually being within the industry, I think, is a key one that that, that can't be lost. It can't be forgotten. It kind of just sort of fits in. I had a, another guest on that somebody you're familiar with, Zena Harris. And we were speaking to this point a little bit as well. I mean, if you're chatting with these television producers, you know, people that obviously have a bunch of concerns, you know, and when they're working on something, the ideas as a consultant that you're raising to them. If you want them to resonate, you have to be speaking their language. In essence, you have to be understanding their challenges and what they're faced with as you were kind of just alluding to. And I think that's a really important point. You can't be just coming you know, out of these programs with all of these sort of sometimes maybe pie in the sky sort of notions of like, I'm going to change this, this, this. Well, until you fully understand that industry, the ins and outs of it, you know, not just on a surface level analysis, but like a kind of a deep, deep awareness it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a slog. Right. So I think that's, that's a really worthy point to, to bring up really early on.
1: I really appreciate that. I think that's great. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really, really important is that especially in, well, in any industry, you know, but, but especially in this industry, you know, the the crews have been doing this a long time. People know their jobs. Even as a producer, when I was producing television, I think one of my strengths was that I listened to people. I listened to all the departments. I wasn't going to tell the art director how to or the production designer how to design something or the DP how to light something. Okay. I might have done that occasionally, but it's more in the form of a question. Like, is there another way to do this or how can we do this? And by listening to, you know, the these people have spent their careers perfecting what they're doing at every stage. There's hundreds of people who work to get a, a film made or an episode made. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm going to tell them what I would like done. This is the end result that we would like. Right. You know, we want you to save fuel. We want you to you, you know.
0: Yeah. Now present back to me. What what are your solutions to this problem? How are we going to accomplish
1: this? What are the options? Yeah. Because everybody has every region. Like I've worked all over the, well, not all over the world, but I've been lucky enough to work in Europe. I've worked in the UK. I've worked in the US, can all across Canada. And you would think that we're doing the same thing. We're not. There's, there's regional nuances. Yeah. There's nuances between television and feature films and commercials. There's nuances between which union you're working with. There's nuances even within, are you working for CBC? Are you working for, is it a Canadian film? Is it a US yeah. film? You know, there, there are all these different nuances to how things yeah. are done, but the principle is the same. And the principle is you get a script page and you figure out how to take the director's vision and put it on camera. With the amount of money that you've been given, that's basically content, right? So now what we're trying to do is put a a sustainability lens on that saying, okay, yeah, you're going to be doing this, but is there a way to do it that's more sustainable, that's reducing fuel, that's using less fuel, that's using less paper, that's using less, can you, can you start adding this to what your, your 25 or to 2,500 things you have to think about in each scene? Can we start adding this? And you can only do that if the tools work. Right. Like you can't, you can't, I always, I always use this analogy of, you know, having a, a toddler and saying, Oh, eat healthy. And then putting chocolate on the table. Like you you can't, you got to You have to have the apple, you know, otherwise you can't do the message. So a lot of this, work right now because it's it's just starting like this is actually so exciting because it's right at the beginning of this movement like this has been going on for maybe 10 years but really took off in the last five four is it's it's constantly changing so the more you know what's available today wasn't available yesterday
0: Mm -hmm. that's definitely one of the most exciting parts and that was one of the things that again referencing that talk i had with Zena harris and then also to just you know, researching for this, you know, there, there is, you're right. There's tons of change and technology is driving a lot of this forward. And the other thing too, I'd, I'd be curious about here, I'm just going to throw this question in uh, while we're at it. I'd be curious, again, you just said within the last three to five years, there's been radical change taking place. Have you noticed the, I don't know, I guess like the, the, the role of an advisor, sustainability advisor, consultant, shifting, changing, maybe in terms of responsibility, or, you know, maybe even having a little bit more clout. People are responding in different manners.
1: Well, it's it's kind of, there's two things. There isn't really this role. Mm. This role doesn't really exist on most shows, right? Like people don't budget for it. It's not a union. There's no, it's not happening. However, there's a mandate from all of the corporations, whether they're, you know, Netflix, Disney, CBC, BBC, You know, those corporations have uh, SDG mandates, so they are have to track their sustainability. They have to create goals as government funded organizations, some of them or reporting as part of their shareholder base. They have to do it. But that's so far removed from a film set that the concept is bridging that. So for years and years and years, everybody's studios have had sustainability directors and, and you you. You know, and they're working insanely difficult, like an insane hard job behind the scenes trying to get everything set up for the production. But the production barely knows that because when you're talking to the generator operator, he doesn't even know what studio he's working for half the time, let alone who the sustainability director is of HBO. Like it it doesn't go that way.
0: Major disconnect there. So,
1: So, to try and bridge all of these elements, I find. I love it. Like like to me, it's producing, yeah. right? Like I stopped yeah. producing content, I'm producing this. It's equally as challenging. You're, It's the same skill set because you're really, as a producer, you're a project manager and this is the project. So you're still trying to figure it out. It's a lot harder to do it when it's not your own show and you're not the boss. It's a lot easier when you're the boss and everyone has to listen to you all the time. But like <laughs> that's, that's, you know, one of the things about producing is you, you have the final say. It's not a, it's not a democratic system, but now it's interesting is the people are starting, like the questions are coming from the crew now. Mm. How can I do this? How can I make this better? How can I, you know, and that's really cool because they're the ones we need to do it. That's right. Yeah. I guess with every industry, it would be, it's a top down thing. You you know, the mothership has to decide they're going to do this and then they have to provide the resources to do it, whether it's the personnel or the knowledge or whatever it is. But you really want the operator, you want the people on the ground are the ones who make you that want scene.
0: this, right? You want it kind of coming together, kind of meeting in the yeah. middle somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. It's got to, it's got to meet in the middle and it's and it it's also a film set is like a mini world, right? It's a mini city. Like we have clothing and we have food and we have water and we have lighting and we have power and we have cars and we have sometimes horses or whatever. So it, it affects everything. So you can look at the fashion industry that's got its own movement on how to green the fashion industry. And then you talk to the costume designer on a show and you go, okay, look over here, see what they're doing. Can we do anything? What can we do? Or, you know, makeup, whatever it is. Like there's each department, each person can find a road to doing their job more sustainably.
0: It's really fascinating, I think, to to consider it all right now, because it is it's obviously it's an issue that affects us all. And I think the the more awareness and just awareness in the general public as it's been growing, people are starting to take initiative, as you say, and especially some of like you know the younger generations as well coming through. They're not only taking action, but they're demanding it also from others, not only from themselves but from others. Like, if you're not doing things the right way, there's a good chance you're going to get called out on it by a coworker or somebody else, you know, maybe a manager or a boss of some sort, you know, like it's it's reaching that point, which is exciting, too, because that's what we need. I mean, obviously, we, we know yeah. that we need radical change and we need it fast, you know, if anything, like we need it yesterday, you know, like. so.
1: Well, that's why the film industry is such a great opportunity, because, you know, we are nomadic. We move from show to show to show. So if you can teach one crew, odds of that crew working together again completely are nil. So so they'll take some of that. It's like they told two friends and they told two friends, and then you're creating market demand. So then the vendors are, are changing what they're offering because of the crew's input. And then you're also able to try things really quickly. Like you can go from like on the show that you mentioned, the last show I produced, I Looked at the data from season three and went, How much fuel did we use? And we used 300,000 liters of fuel. So in season four, we knocked it down to 250. And then in season five, we knocked it down to 200,000. Wow. Because we could look at our mistakes because we were looking at real data by episode three, season three, season four, season five, compare the chart. How did we do? Yeah. Yeah. And there is a formula to filmmaking. So if you can start injecting uh cost savings or sustainable fuel savings or sustainability savings, whatever you want to call it, if you can start creating those practices, yeah, you have a lot of data
0: yeah to work with, right?
1: Yeah. If you replace, you know, if you replace a, a vehicle that's you know driving crew around in one week, they'll drive a thousand kilometers. Wow. You have yeah. a lot right. of data. You yeah. know, you have a lot of a lot of instant kind of gratification, oh, this is working, or no, this doesn't work. Yes, like, you know yes. right away.
0: You can set strategy, essentially, right? I mean, you can yeah. look at that and chart a new course. You know, exactly. you can start to come up and identify those problem areas. Yeah, definitely. It's empowerment, right, is what it is. Yeah. That data is what it represents.
1: And, it, and it's also a huge opportunity because, you know, even in Vancouver alone, and this is data back from 2019, we were using, like, Six million liters of fuel in, in generators.
0: Wow. That's significant. Jeez. So
1: it's not like it's just yeah. Yeah. one person. I mean, I understand. And, and I, I think it's, you know, everything you do individually is so important. Mm. I'm very impatient. So I realized I could affect more people in the industry than just telling my kids what to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, so I could I could scale it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually a question I do have lined up here for you. And maybe we could just kind of skip on over into this next segment, a Q&A Discovery. We can just kind of continue this back and forth. But I do have some questions here. We're starting to touch on them. And uh, yeah, I really want to dive into each of them uh, if we can. And off the top, maybe we can rewind a little bit here just to get a, a better idea of you and your work. I've read off uh, a lot, you know, off the top in terms of accomplishment and what you've been doing in terms of the, the television production side of things. And obviously, with what we've just been speaking about, the sustainability movement and advising consulting on that side. And I'd be curious to hear a little bit about what sort of pushed you in that direction towards sustainability. I mean, most people, you know, ultra successful, they've got a good thing going, they're just going to keep working that formula. That's probably what most people would do. But obviously, you chose a different path for yourself. And yeah, I'm curious, like, what led you down that uh, that, that that way, essentially?
1: Well, I had a great um, convergence of, I call it my COVID slash midlife crisis. All kind of happen at once. All right. So, I mean, I was working on sustainability within my own shows. Yeah. And I was, you know, I started by reducing meat consumption in like 2016 on all my shows. And then the paper thing where we went to recycle paper. and And, you know, it was constantly like, it's a personal interest of mine. So I wanted to see how much I could influence a production. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of years in 2018 and 2019, I also started kind of getting involved in the province of BC, getting involved in the city, working with women for climate, uh, doing all that kind of in my spare time because I only used, I was freelance, I worked, you know, six or seven months a year. So in my off time, I, you know, joined a climate activist group or or went and got a, what do you call it? It's not a degree, a diploma, or I did a couple of courses at uh, Arizona State University in sustainability, or I was, you know, I want my professional development was on always about that. And then the industry shut down with COVID. So I started reevaluating, going, do I want to, and my show had ended too. My show, the show I'd been working on for three years or two years had ended. You know, I had some interviews and I'm like, these people are crazy. We can't shoot like this in COVID. What are they thinking about? Like this was summer of 2020 and they want to, oh yeah, we're going to shoot in neighborhoods. And I'm like, no, we're not. There's no way anyone's going to let us in. And they hadn't figured out how to shoot yet. So we hadn't gone back to work yet. So it was all of these theoretical conversations, you know, can you move to Australia for two years? And I'm like, No no, there's like a month quarantine and then a month on the way back or like, I can't. So I started going through all of this and I thought, let me just try. Let me see if I can create a a life doing what I want to do. And it worked out.
0: So I was just gonna say it was such an interesting time in terms of that side of things. Now, like again, referencing data, like a lot of people Had similar sort of experiences with whatever profession they were involved with, you know, it's a time of reflection. And I think a time for some individuals, and it sounds like for yourself to chart new courses forward. Yeah, it's really, it's really quite fascinating when you can kind of look back on things in in that sense and and see how that moment in time really did shift a lot of people's lives. It was
1: also really inspiring because like I was lucky enough not to have any personal tragedy associated with COVID. Yeah. Very, very grateful. So when I'm looking at it, it's like wow, we just shifted an entire world's behavior. Right, right. Right? And and you know, the sustainability or the climate action movement needs COVID's PR people. Because we're not we this is actually as urgent if not more urgent. Yeah. You know, more people globally are dying from pollution than from anything or from floods yeah. or hurricanes or extreme so i mean we climate change really makes covid look like a, a tiny Round little lip. you know mm-hmm. and yet we're not reacting that way mm-hmm. and and that was kind of very inspiring i thought wow an entire industry started wearing masks and getting their noses swabbed every 2 days and it's like and everybody's changed the way they're doing things now is the perfect time to kind of piggyback on that change and say hey while you're doing things differently anyway do this add this to it add whatever you know but part of the problem is is that a lot of people have rightly so you know PTSD with covid so i kind of talk about it more like we went how we shifted from film to digital which like our entire industry gave up its namesake for a computer chip on the back of a camera and, and i think the whole transition from start to like broadcast was five years, six years. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a 20 year plan.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Once once there's a mission behind some of this stuff, things can accelerate and it can go quickly, right? Things can happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I like that parallel and we can only hope that that's kind of the track that we're on right now, which kind of leads me into my next question here, actually, Clara, which is that again, in researching for this talk, you know, numerous interviews with you, you know, there's been numerous articles as well. And the thing that struck me as I was going through a lot of this is you just seem one, you know, very mission driven, but then also really, I, I don't know if this is on or off, but quite cerebral and strategic in your approach. And I think you referenced this already in this conversation is that the changes that you want to make extend out beyond just your own family, or just that the the work that you're involved with in that moment. You want to do things on scale. And that kind of leads me into, again, some of the research that I found, like you're working with the city of Vancouver, which is the third largest production center, film intelligence production center in North America. You're working mm-hmm. with city planners. You're working with, you know, people there that are in charge of a lot of the, you know, regulations and such. And I just found that to be really, well, one, inspiring, and then two, you know, really quite compelling as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Am I onto something here with uh with that line of thought or what? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, a lot of it was I lucked out. Yeah. You know, I lucked out, I made the connections or and all that, but I also have made a a concerted effort that I'm going to do as much as I can as fast as I can. Yeah. Like that's not my personality. My personality is I'm sit in the background, I organize everything you know, it happens, I do projects and then I take months off and I do nothing and just enjoy my life. And, you know, and I thought, no, I'm not, I I can't approach this this way because I'm not comfortable enough in this, in this way. Mm -hmm. So like the Vancouver uh, municipal government connection came from an ad I saw online that was, there was a women for climate mentorship program that was being run in Vancouver. And I thought, okay, So I started reading about it and I thought, well, I'm going to try and push this agenda. You know, I did not feel comfortable writing a 3000 word essay and submitting it. And my kids laughed at me because I actually wrote it in the application instead of writing it somewhere else and editing it and copying and pasting it. So, so it ended up being submitted before I was done. So that was, you know, I didn't know. And then I had, I was considered for a pitch. So I think I think there were 70 applicants and then there were 22, 25 pitches heard. And then there were 12 people or 15 people who were Mm. put in it. And I was very clear on what I wanted. Yeah. It was very clear because I'd gone to meetings with the film commission at real green, which is our arm here. And they were going, yeah, but the city legislation, you know, they won't let us double park. So we end up using two generators. Like literally that's how it started. And then when I started talking to uh, my mentor was counselor, Adrian Carr, and she, when I started explaining it to her, she said, well, let's just eliminate generators. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go for that. And the plan is to do it by 2030. And it's on track, you know, since, since that conversation, 30% of production shooting in Vancouver have eliminated at least one generator, which is, which is an insane amount of carbon.
0: Yeah. Right. And significant.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I think we figured that was about represent about 650 generators. So it's about 600, it's about a ton of carbon per day. So, you know, that's a lot. And I, and I think that you just have to start. And then because it's clean, like people get attached to this, it doesn't smell. It's not going to hurt your lungs. Like it's quiet. Why not? But so that was, that was just luck. And that was, I had no idea. Like I, I, we met, you know, I did the pitch in February. The first meeting was at the end of March. We wrote the motion on our laps. It was, you know, unanimously passed by council by July. I didn't know that was how it worked because that's how film industry works, right? Like, so I'm applying film industry speed to real life and It, you know, we move really quickly and we don't take an answer and we go through all the stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's inspirational as well in that sense of like, just, you know, there's a moment, there's a spark there. And it's just, like you said, it's taking action on something and, uh, you know, with a bit of fortuitous sort of luck involved. And I guess, like you said, some connections there and everything else. And just that drive, I suppose, right. That, that mission shines through that can drive these things forward, move that agenda forward.
1: Yeah, it was also it's very specific. So going back to what you know, like it was very, it was a very specific request that once I could explain it, people could understand it. It wasn't like a whole, we need to change the world. Where do you start? You know, like a lot of um in my work with the Directors Guild of Canada, I'm the climate action chair, you know, we've developed a website that specifically for the job you are doing. So you can go onto that website and you go, I'm in locations, this is what I need to do. I'm a director, this is what I should look at. I'm an editor, this is what I should look at. Because it's not the same, you know, like it, it really isn't the same. The goal is the same, but the pathway is completely different. So I think it's really important that we're, we're giving people pathways because otherwise it's not only because it's nicer and it takes away a lot of the work, it's faster.
0: Yeah. It's more, way more efficient, right? Flat yeah. out, way more efficient. I, I think it's one thing to have like, you know, the theories, you know, theoretical sort of like looks at things and you know, we need to change this, 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 but you're right. In terms of actually getting it into action, you need these sort of like strategic plans in place that, you know, maybe aren't always cookie cutter in essence, but at least they're the formulated in such a way that you can take them and derive action from them right away. You know, like yeah. that.
1: It's all about solution. It's all about solution orientation, like being solution oriented. And, you know, that was something that I was also keen enough to read this fantastic book uh, by Sapora Berman called The Crazy Times that um, she's like one of our leading activists in right now, climate action. But she's also very specific. She's not going, she knows exactly what the end result is and she knows how to get there. And it's literally follow the money. You know, like you want to, you want it better generators you don't talk to the generator operator about better better generators you talk to the vendors about better generators because they're the one developing the technology you want better usage you talk to the geniops not the vendors because the vendors don't care how you use them once you rent them so it's very strategically setting up your conversations or your requests so that they're doable Like they have to be doable. You you know where to
0: begin. You know what to do essentially. And you know, you're you're not gonna be wasting time having the wrong conversations with the wrong people. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's great. That's really helpful. I've got another question kind of in this vein as well here. I was was wondering, I mean, within a lot of industries, right? I mean, companies are going to keep sort of like trade secrets internal for obvious reasons, right? Competitive advantage, so on and so forth. But with this issue that we're speaking about right now, a matter the environment that, you know, climate crisis, it's affecting us all. I was curious whether or not like when you're, say, producing uh, a show, for example, and you're finding this great solution, is that something that within the industry people will have conversations about? Like, oh, yeah, we did this, 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 and it produced these results. Or is that still kind of stuck in this sort of like, well, this is our sort of competitive advantage? Because oftentimes these things will be reducing costs, which then, of course, does ultimately help that company or that production. So there is still that competitive element in there. But then you have this, you know, this big issue that we're all trying to, to work on. Really curious about that dynamic there and, and how that's been. Yeah,
1: no, there is no, this is a non-competitive space. So what's really amazing is that the, the whole world actually has rallied. For example, Real Green started in BC and on the advisory board members sit every vendor, every studio, every union, you know, we're all working together on this. And then Real Green is working with we're working with other provinces and then there's a national Real Green. And you know, for example, the one of the ways we're eliminating generators is by creating these permanent power drops in Vancouver. And that technology took Us in Vancouver, like two years to develop working with industry, working with city engineers, working with you know, the the film commissioner Jeff Tioli was like on it every day. This, the all those people you mentioned in the city, the engineer, everybody working together. The second that those plans were stamped, they went online for free. Toronto downloaded them, London downloaded them, New York's looking at them, LA's looking at them you know and, and the same thing is happening in the US through the green production guide which is collaboration between the producers guild of america and the spa which is the sustainable producer alliance that sustainable producers alliance includes netflix disney fox hbo universal amazon apple you name it uh, cbs i've missed like 10 of them they meet four or five times a week depending on what committee you're on to share what's going on. They collaborate on, you know, we need renewable diesel accessible for us. So we're going to work together on a letter that we all agree on that we can send out to all the productions. And the same thing's happening in the UK through BAFTA's Sustainability Arms called uh, Albert. And then now, hopefully, hopefully we'll have something completely global in the next year or so uh, through the UNFCCC. But everybody is, nobody's hiding The stuff they're doing, they're really calling. You know, you can call anybody and go, "Where did you get an electric car? Yeah, how did I get this battery? Did you try the hydrogen thing? Did it work? How did that work?" There's obviously there's competition between the vendors, but there's not competition in. They're actually elevating each other by going, "Yeah, we're working on new technology to replace generators." Oh, so are we? We might not share it with you, but like the fact that you know that both of them are working on it, well. You can now go and go, I need to do this. So there's also studios that are Vancouver Film Studios is a B corporation. You can read all everything they're doing online. They're sharing it around the world. So I I don't think this is, nobody's keeping this a secret. Like we, anyone who's into this is like all hands on deck. Let's get it out there. Let's scale it up. And it uh, doesn't that's... matter where you learn it because again, we're nomadic. You don't know if who you're going to be working for next month.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I was quite frankly hoping for that sort of answer from you right there, you know, kind of put that cynicism to bed there. And it's nice because, I mean, there's so much doom and gloom about this climate crisis and rightfully so, rightfully so. I'm not going to minimize that point, but it is also uplifting to hear this. I mean, this is a major, major industry, obviously, that is not going away. It's been here forever. And to see that kind of radical change taking place is, uh, yeah, it's an encouraging sign.
1: Well, I mean, we're having this conversation because we dropped film.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Like if our industry can't influence culture, then we're we're making the wrong things, you know, and not just in what, how we're making them, but what we're saying, like we're lagging in what we're talking about with it, how we're addressing climate action on camera, but, you know, subtle things make a difference. Like you can have iconic things that went viral because of a television show, you know, fashion or I don't know. I don't know how many, I don't know what would have happened to Prius if Cameron Diaz hadn't jumped in one.
0: Right. It's a lever of influence is what it is. Right. So, I mean, it offers so much possibility of driving things forward in the right way. So I, I do want to shift over right now, really quickly, Clara, into a new segment though. We are moving at a pretty good clip through this conversation but this segment in the middle here is a water cooler story segment and it's just typically where i will ask guests to indulge listeners with a story relating to the profession and i'd love to hear what you've got for us today
1: i have some hopeful ones but i think i've said them before so i think i'll actually go with one that I, was my oh my god moment which okay. was i was i was working on on my show and and we were doing everything like everything and we were clocking it and we knew how many tons of carbon we were reducing and all that stuff and and one of our last scenes happened in the underworld and it was decided that it would be a world of ash okay and I don't know what I was thinking or somehow I missed it I walked onto that set and everybody's masked up nobody can breathe there's particulate in the air everyone's going the actors are like their eyes are stinging they're gonna like I've got to call in doctors and I'm like, Oh my god, how did I let this go? How did I miss here we are improving air quality outside, reducing <laughs> generator yeah. use, you know, doing everything feeding eating organic food, you know like and suddenly <laughs> and all like, the boxes 150 people who can't yeah. breathe. And I'm like, okay, we're stopping. Clean this up. Yeah, (laughs) Get this out of here. Let's figure out how to do this. And luckily the crew and the director and everybody were so great about it, but it was just, I I don't know how I missed it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I just missed that the world of Ash would be floating (laughs) particularly. I don't, I don't know. So, you know, I think that there's the, the kind of the reason I told you this is that it literally is about like everything counts. Everything counts. It does. It doesn't matter if it didn't work. You actually learn more from what didn't work. Mm. You know, you can walk around all day and tell all your drivers to turn off their cars because they're idling. But until you ask them why they're idling, you know, what, why, well, this, I don't have anywhere to go. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's get you a place to go outside of your car all day. Let's get you something comfortable. You can't, you know, you're hot. Oh, can we park you in the shade? You know, whatever it is, like you don't, people are just doing things on automatic. And sometimes we can be working on the logical solution. And then you go, well, why are you running the generator 24 seven? It's like, oh, the makeup could freeze. Not in July. Like, (laughs) turn it off. I love that.
0: I love that. It's it's asking that simple question. And then, yeah, from that, again, once again, so many different possibilities are derived from that of solutions, you know. Oh, this, this, this. These aren't it isn't rocket science, as I guess what I'm trying to get at and probably what you're getting at here too is is it's just having some sort of thoughtful approach to things,
1: you know, and, and well, it's allowing yourself to to do both. Yeah. You know, like I I did a road trip and I have an electric car and I was worried about the road trip. So I switched cars with my daughter and I drove a gas car. Okay. And I didn't beat myself up about driving a gas car. for three weeks you know but the next time i thought oh well maybe i'll try and do it in the electric car so Mm -hmm. you can you can do it's not all or nothing right right you know like (laughs) you know if i have my if i have dental surgery i need a straw that doesn't mean i'm going to use one the other 360 days of the year or, or, you know, whatever you need. Like, we're not telling people not to use what they need. We're asking them to consider whether they need it. And I think, especially in Canada and North, and North America, our consumption rates are so high. Like, we consume more than anywhere else in the world per capita. And we put out more garbage than anyone else in the world per capita. And it's like, honestly, we just, if you don't need it, don't use it. You're going to save money. The show will save money. You're, you're going to feel better. Like it, just because you have it, don't turn it on.
0: Yeah. It's, it's getting off that autopilot kind of returning to that point, yeah. right? Just getting off that and and thinking, being a little bit more thoughtful, I suppose, you know, one, I, I suppose as a leader, and you kind of referenced that already, but then also too, I think for just the individuals themselves and whatever role that they're fulfilling, whatever job they're, that they're, they're doing, it's, just having a little more thought towards what they can do and it does certainly add up. So yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I do have one last segment here lined up here, Clara, and it's a crystal ball segment. And as the name sort of implies, we're looking to the future trends prediction, so on and so forth. And I'd be curious within the context of this talk, is there anything maybe statistics wise that stands out to you? You know, that it's something that I guess on both sides here where one there's a statistic, maybe that's quite alarming, in reference to your industry. But then also too, maybe there's one that offers, you know, hope for the way things are going. Maybe it's progress. I don't need to put you on the spot here, but uh, do you have anything for us in in terms of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there isn't, there hasn't been a lot of measuring, which is a problem. Okay. And because every production is different, it's a problem. So you can't really. There's only one report that came out in 2021 through the Sustainable Production Alliance in the U.S., and they took a cross-section of all the studios. When you're talking about collaboration, every studio submitted data of the stuff that was shooting in North America. And then they they put it into groups, whether it was an hour of dramatic series or a tentpole production or a small production film. And, you know, the the one that kills me the most, because this is what I did when I was producing, was I did network television. Is that an average network television hour emits 77 tons of carbon to produce? Ooh. Wow. So when you're streaming and you're looking through all the options of what episode you like, it's an insane amount, right? Yeah. And I can't even extrapolate that to how much, how many hours of television are on available yeah, or right. being produced all the time. Like it's crazy. Like I think we figure in, you know, uh, I was working with Suncor to try and figure out just what their market share is, and what the and this is completely a non non uh, qualified number, but it's something like fifty million liters of fuel to run the Canadian to run the film industry in Canada. So we're not a small industry, no. and we're completely overlooked yeah. because because we're small and we're making it like we're making one show. Yeah, yeah, right. But the industry as a whole has a giant footprint so i think that if we can figure this out we're going to be able to quickly scale up the technology that's required for everybody else mm. and um using our influence i i think that's our kind of that's our uh our magic superpower is we have this influence like we we're yeah. everywhere in the world
0: yeah 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 I really like that point here fashion, you know, automotive, whatever it is, right? no, I really like whatever
1: that. it is, yeah. yeah yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that'll be really good, and then I guess the inspiring one was the is the uh you know, with one piece of legislation we're or we're saving hundreds of tons of carbon a year in Vancouver because of that, so I think that's you know that's super inspiring. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket, but it's a start,
0: well. Wow. That's what that's what we need, you know, quite frankly, So we just need several dropped in that bucket, right? But it's got to start from somewhere. And the great thing is that you know, once you get a few of those under your belt, you know, things start to build. And it it seems to me again, you know, referencing that talk that I had with another sustainability consultant, Zena Harris, and now with you, you know, working towards the end of this conversation, what, what comes across to me is like a sense of optimism moving forward. There's a lot of things going on within that industry, I think. And uh it, the point that you've raised as well of just the, the influence and clout that that industry has and the amount of points at which it can influence a number of other industries gives me hope, at least for me. And I'm sure listeners are going to be coming away from this as well with that same sort of shared sense of optimism towards the future and, and the way they're moving. Well, I've already said this once, there's enough doom and gloom out there and we we can't hide that away. We have to acknowledge it, obviously. But at the same time, I think it is worth pointing out some of the things that are taking shape because you know, quite frankly, we can drive even further inspiration or take these ideas and twist them around and like, okay, well, I could maybe do this, this, and this myself. So,
1: well, I think what's, what's exciting about what's great about this particular industry is we don't give up, right? Like we never give up. Like if you're, if your first answer is no, we can't do that. You're not going to get a job again. Like that's not, that's not what we're wired to do. So if, if we can, so the reason you hear this optimism isn't because it's, we're done. It's great. It's all, everybody's doing it. It's perfect. We're done. No, it's not that at all. We're very much at the beginning of this journey. But every time we run into someone who'd heard of it or wants to do it and stuff, we're like, yes, we got one more because we know that like it's a small enough industry that the decision makers, I don't know, a few thousand, 10,000. I, I don't know. Maybe, a, maybe even if it's a hundred thousand.
0: Yeah. It's still quite.
1: It's nothing. Right. Like so so it's it's attainable as opposed to trying to reach, you know, the Paris Accord. You know what I mean? Like this yeah, is yeah, small, yeah, yeah, yeah. this That's is a really this is small yeah. enough industry, and especially if you can do it regionally,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: we we have about a hundred uh we max out, I think in Vancouver at about a hundred, hundred and twenty productions at a time.
0: Okay.
1: So, you know, I literally have talked to like 40. At any given moment. It's a right. small. It
0: moment. doesn't take much, does it? Right. I mean, it's. Yeah.
1: You can. It's a, it's a typical industry, I guess, is what I'm talking about. This mm. is typical. So the optimism you're hearing is certainly not always happening. Like there was definitely moments when I'm like, even this morning, I was talking with my coworkers and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a cynical, you <laughs> know, horrible person today. <laughs> on the
0: podcast,
1: unless I find some inspiration to like yeah. talk about what's happening, because it's. Yeah. But that's okay because that's part of the film industry too. Like we're frustrated a lot and we're brought up, but but what we don't do is we don't say no. Like as soon as that wall comes up, we go, okay. Can we get above it? Can we yeah. go around it? Can we go under it? What can we go through it? Can we blow it up? Like, what are we gonna do? We don't th- the conversation doesn't never stop. Happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, we even go back and do reshoots after we've shot everything. And then we re-edit. It never stops. Yeah. Or how can we do it better? Or wait, we're going to redo Batman again. Like how many times are we going to try and keep revisiting? And and yeah. so it's in nature it to is, keep it yeah.
0: It's a really interesting so it's, point.
1: It's easier to be optimistic, I guess, in some place that you know won't give up.
0: And maybe maybe that's a nice kind of point to uh, to end this conversation. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed all of this. You've raised so many interesting points. And I thought I had a lot of this covered, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting a pulse on things and coming into this talk. But uh, yeah, you just provided so much more for me to, to to chew on here, Clara. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure think listeners are going to come away. We're just armed with just so many more insights. So yeah, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to uh, to join the program today.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Well, for those interested in learning more about Clara and her work, you can find her at greenproductionguide.com, also dgcgreen.ca. For reference, that information will be included in the show notes. And also, if you'd like today's show, please be sure to share. I mean, that stuff goes a long ways uh, and really does help. You can also rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. And also, if you have some time, head on over to YouTube. Within the last year, we did launch a channel over there where you can catch full video conversations, much like the one we had today with Clara. the cool thing there, too, is that we'll have some image overlays off the top, images associated with the actual talk itself. And then also, too, please be sure to tune into the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.